Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim G.K. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, our topic, continue our series on selling to the government. This one is talking about SWOT analysis, and the importance of SWOT analysis, of course, SWOT stands for uh, strength, weaknesses, um, and those are really the core of the things that you really need to look at as a business. If you're going to sell to the federal government, you need to actually do things in the same thinking, in the same mindset that uh, they actually analyze things. You're going to have to analyze that particular customer. Again, SWI stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Strengths, how strong you are. Weaknesses, what you have that is, that's making you weaker than the competition. The opportunities you have, of course, and who is your biggest threat. Uh, as a method that's been used for probably the last 50 or 60 years. And I think the model was called really the SWAT matrix. So kind of keep that in mind as you, if you want the federal government as a customer, it's a little different than versus having a commercial business as a government, me as a customer. The mindset is totally different in selling to the government. And once you have a government customer, treat them well. You will have a, a customer for life. They're easy to work with. Getting into the doors is going to be your hardest thing. You just have to earn your way, but it's not a hard way to really earn. You provide a product or service that they really need. So let's go ahead and take a break real quick, and we'll be back in 40 seconds. And, uh, again, this series is of a workshop where we uh, we actually presented last year. Uh, we decided to take the recordings and use it for the show. Be back in a moment. You'll listen to the Core Business Show. You're listening to the Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. Ninety percent of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Okay, we're going to begin this series, uh, 
probably take station breaks uh, every probably uh, 10 to 15 minutes. So we'll uh, be back in a moment within the next, uh, the next commercial break. You're listening to a SWOT analysis and how can you actually sell to the government. In this section, we're going to talk about analyzing your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, which are the basic four components of a SWOT analysis. Who in here has already done a SWOT at some time in the past? Anybody? Been a long time. It's a good idea to do that uh, on an annual basis, or at least every couple years. Or if there's been a major change in the market, you know, take a look. I'm going to assess your strengths and your weaknesses, and then we're going to look at opportunities and threats that are external so you can anticipate and avoid those possible threats. As I said, SWOT stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. This is going to examine strengths and weaknesses internally, which are inside your organization. The opportunities and the threats come from outside. This is the actual framework of the SWOT analysis, and this is all in your um, training books. So you can take this information back, you can go back through it, you can uh, revise this as necessary. A SWOT analysis is going to first off see where you are right now. Examine your current situation. What are you doing in business? What could you be doing better? How can you do that? Because everyone has, everyone has strengths, and obviously everybody has weaknesses, which you can change. But the biggest thing with a SWOT analysis is to be open and to be honest and to be very frank about where you are. So the definition of strengths are, and I quote, strengths are internal positive aspects that are under your control and upon which you may capitalize in planning your business activities. For example, your work experience. Now, you guys are experts at machining. You know that field very well. You know, that is one of your strengths, your experience. Education, if you've studied extensively in a specific field. Having a class like this to help propel you is going to be a strength. I unfortunately did not have that way back when, but I had the capacity to learn. And that's another strength. I had the capacity to learn. I looked at that first solicitation. I finally made it through and was able to capitalize on my learning. That turned into a strength for me. That was one of my personal characteristics, is capacity to learn. And that, should, that could be something of yours. You know, the, uh, going back to the degrees, uh, some people do have degrees. I have a Ph.D., and that's a Ph.D. in hard knocks that I got over many years of trying to learn this field. Personal and professional contacts. Who do you have that you can draw on? Professional contacts can also be, as I will show you later, how to develop the contacts inside the external organizations. One of my strengths, for example, and you know, I'll, I'll use quite a bit of mine until we go into actually writing yours, but one of my strengths are the networking contacts that I have in these small business agencies such as MBDA and SBA. You know, I realized early on that my firm was small. So one of the best ways to leverage yourself is to get other people networking and selling for you. And so 
having the contacts inside those agencies and developing them, they now ask me questions, they now refer clients, they refer people. So that is a strength that I have developed and I have expanded my organization. So I used, I leveraged the human capital in other agencies and other organizations. Also, when I was with a previous firm, I saw that there was one specific trade organization that would also help me with that networking. And so based on the industry I was in, I went, I joined this trade organization, I became very active in it, I became a uh, chairman of one of their committees, and I used that strength to leverage it into quite a bit of business. So that's your professional context. Your firms or principals' capabilities. Basically, what do you do? Obviously, you're in business because you're good at what you do. You're also in business because you want to make a lot of money. Actually, that's what we're all in business for, is to make a fair profit. But what do you do, and how do you do it well? We put up good past performance on this slide as a strength because in the federal government, and you're going to hear it over the next couple of days, good past performance is the key to future business. Good past performance is the key to future business. The federal agencies are very, very strong on past performance. That's part of uh, the solicitations you put in. When you go to uh, solicit for your GSA schedule, past performance is a key part of that. You actually submit references into an outside agency who contacts all of your past performance clients, and they rate you. So past performance definitely has to be a strength. If it's a weakness, you need to re reanalyze your entire business plan right there, if past performance is a weakness. So make sure that your past performance is your strength. Geographical capabilities, obviously, if you are able to supply your goods or services right in your area, you have a quick turnaround time, somebody can call you, you can get it out there 20 minutes later, or an hour or two hours. You know, geographics can be a strength. These are just examples, and I'm sure each of you is going to have examples of your own strengths. Weaknesses are internal negative aspects that are under your control, and those are the key words. They're under your control, and that you may plan to improve to grow your business. I have to have a very regimented day, because one of my weaknesses is going off on rabbit trails. I'll get excited about something, I'll go research it, I'll, and that'll take me somewhere else, which will take me somewhere else, and I mean, my mind gets going a million miles an hour all the time, and that's a weakness, because if I don't have a structured day, knowing exactly what I have to get done, I can go off, I can be researching a, uh, you know, an agency, and once I get into, uh, I remember I went into uh, the Department of the Interior's website one time. When I came out of that website, it was three hours later. Well, and I had barely blinked. It's a weakness of mine. So I have to structure my day. I put some, you know, I put some processes in place. Um, I use the Franklin Covey time management system. I keep it on my Palm Pilot. I constantly work between my computer and my Palm Pilot. I plan my day, you know, because I know, honestly, that's one of my weaknesses. Lack of past performance. That's a weakness to start out with. It's not a negative if you don't have the past performance. You can get contracts because the federal government will look at lack of references as a neutral. When they rate you, they've got positive, neutral, negative. So if you don't have the past performance right now, they might look at somebody else who has the positive past performance. That could be a key factor but it's not going to stop you if you are the best value to the federal agency. And once you get the past performance, obviously, overperform. 
make sure that when you get a contract, that turns into a good past performance uh, reference. Lack of size and capacity to perform. I was talking to um, Mary Sue at lunchtime, and they are a very small company. And sometimes the large national companies that do the same thing they do underbid them. Sometimes that is a key problem with small businesses, is that you are small, and the larger chains or the larger national firms can come in and underbid you. Lack of goals or negative personal characteristics, well, the negative personal characteristics, I can say that that's where I was in, in the fact that I like to go other places, and I have to structure my day. Elsewise, it's gone. That's where also, on the personal side, you have to be very blunt, very frank, and very honest about who you are, what you do, what your own personal strengths and weaknesses are as they refer to the company. Weak skills, self-knowledge, technical or topical knowledge, that was a weakness before today. Today, you are embarking to get rid of that and to turn it into a strength. You can learn about basically anything you need to as you go forward. Opportunities are external. External conditions that you do not control, but of which you can take advantage. I mean, one of the biggest opportunities that's been out there over the last year is Katrina. A lot of companies took Katrina as an advantage. Look around to see what external opportunities are, are available for you. Is there a prime contractor that is actively looking for small business participation? Is there a specific function that you do that is unique to the marketplace? Opportunities are those things that you can capitalize on. Examples are, as I said, positive trends in your field. That will create more business. IT businesses, a new process, a new processor, a new software, something that will make what you sell more advantageous. A market in particular need of your products or services. Geography. There again, it goes back to, you know, obviously, the, you know, a lot of the companies that were down in New Orleans, you know, had an advantage. But if something happens in your backyard, you know, I don't know if there's any snowplowers in here, but I remember up in Alaska, when I lived in Alaska, the snow came around, everybody put their plows on. You know, it was geography. That's, you know, that's, that's an off-the-wall example. But understanding what is happening in your backyard. If you know what's happening in the business market, you can use that as an opportunity. And having a strong network. You know, going back to what I was saying before about the organizations that I belong to. Reading about what's happening in the, uh, in the field that you're in. Threats are negative external conditions you do not have control over, but the effect of which you may be able to lessen. One of the key threats that I talked to with one of the uh, participants of the last class, she was in the transportation business. So what would be the key threat to the transportation industry right now? Huh? Now terrorism, that that would definitely be one. But yeah, the fuel prices. It's it's killing people. Okay? But if you look at you know, obviously you cannot go out and lower gas prices. You know, wish you could. If you knew how, let me know and we'll make a you know, we'll make a, a better we'll make a company out of it. Yeah. Absolutely oh yeah, amen. And you know a lot of the a lot of the literature from GSA, a lot of literature from contracting officers, a lot of, you know, when you're talking to them, contracting officers are notorious for being perceived as these ogres that sit up and try to beat up on small businesses. And they aren't. You know, contracting officers and the federal government 
want you to provide them quality services or goods and make a fair profit. They understand you are profitable, profit-making businesses. So they understand that. And if there is a, you know, a radical situation such as that, you know, gas prices double while you're in a contract period, they will listen to you and they will work with you. Examples of threats, lack of interest in your product or service. You might have the greatest widget that's out there. But if there is no market, has been no market, and your market research shows that there is no market for what you sell, maybe maybe you want to adjust. Maybe you want to uh, move around. If, uh, such as in the technology industry, if all of a sudden there's been a major shift, then maybe what you have is no longer going to be saleable. You know, knowing your industries, knowing your market will help you alleviate any threats. Competitors with superior technical and marketing skills or better reputations. There is competitors out there. A lot of competitors do a lot of good things. One of the ways to capitalize on that threat is, as we talked to Mary Sue earlier and to, uh, and to Martin, is maybe team with them. If you can't beat them, join them. Because large, larger companies, most of the time, can't do it on their own. They need subcontractors. And there's a viable option to team. Uh, going back to the facility maintenance industry, there's a lot of times when two of the big, big facility maintenance contractors will go together to put a proposal together and work on a similar project. Happens all the time. So, and that could happen in each and every one of your industries. Understanding who the competitors are, I mean, there again, they are a threat because they threaten your income and you can't do anything about them, so that qualifies them as a threat. But by joining with them, it turns into an opportunity. And any other obstacles that you see in your way that you can't get around. So, now we start to assess who you are, what you're doing. What advantages do you have? And as we go later on in the afternoon, everything you put forward as far as your company, as far as marketing material, has to show your perceived value. Now, it's a perceived value to have customized training. It's a perceived value to educate the potential client. Even if they're not, they see that and they'll remember that. It's a perceived value. It's definitely a perceived value to be, you know, unique in your field. Obviously, what do you do well? That's a strength. What don't you do well is a weakness. And you can actually sit down and put a piece of paper side by side as we go through this. What do you do well? What don't you do well? What do you want to do better? Why did you, why did you get into the field that you did? Is it something you have a passion for? Is it something that your folks wanted you to get into? Did they drive you into the engineering field? Or why are you in this field? I mean, I'm, I'm in this field for three reasons. Number one, it's a challenge. And you've, you've all seen that. That's why you're here. But it's a challenge. But it can be overcome. Number two, I love teaching. I love talking to people. And number three, I believe in the small businesses. I believe that small businesses need the opportunity. When I left the private sector and went into, started my own company, that was the deciding factor right there. I did some market surveys. I did some research. I was looking at the strengths and, and uh, you know, the strengths of getting into this. And I realized that so many small businesses do not have the opportunity to do government contracts. You know, they can't even compete against the big guys. And so that was a strength is my passion, my passion to help small businesses. 
and to learn ways to help foster their success. So those are all definitely strengths on, on my side. What were the motivating factors and influences? Well, we just talked about what mine were. But, you know, look at your own. What motivates you? You know, is it, uh, is it bottom line? Is it customer service? Is it building a company? Or is it all of those? What need do you expect to fill? That goes back to, uh, you know, having a good or a service that you hope there's a market for out there. I worked with one client, and, and bless his heart, the guy that owned the company was 97 years old. He had built a fantastic company before, retired, gave it to his son, and then came up with some new ideas. And, I mean, there were, there were some great ideas that he was coming up with. He was still inventing at 90 and 95. But the stuff he invented, just there, there was no need for it out there. And he loved it, and he pushed it, and, you know, he, he said, hey, let's, let's give it a try. And we tried, but there was no need for, you know, for, for his products. So it definitely wasn't a strength. What have you done in the past as far as achievements? What have you been able to accomplish? A lot of my strengths are the successes of some of my clients. It's exciting to see the little small businesses get a GSA schedule or the woman-owned small business in, uh, in Florida increasing their business 500%, you know, just with one contract. That's exciting. And that builds. That builds my momentum and that builds my desire. Why are you successful? All of you are successful small businesses. Why? And we'll talk about in the unique selling proposition how many competitors do you have out there? Hundreds and hundreds and thousands and, you know. So what sets you apart? Why are you different? What makes you unique? Why does the customer perceive a value in what you do? And just to rise above and beyond the industry standard. That makes you very unique, and that's admirable. And that goes right to the last one, is how you measure your success. You know, some people measure success. They want the biggest bottom line. They want a bank account with a lot of zeros. Some people measure success in how much they can give back to the community. Other strengths, uh, what expertise do you bring that may have not been available before? Uh, what's unique about you? What assets do you have? What resources? And what do other people see as your strengths? You know, if you have employees, have you ever been evaluated by those employees? You know, your peers, your friends, your industry groups. Try to find out what other people see as your strengths. You know, get feedback and listen to the feedback that other people give you. Your spouse, your kids, your siblings. Sometimes... They are painful. They are really painful. But it goes right back to you now know what your weakness is. And these are things that are in your control. As it says, what could you improve? What should you avoid? And how do those weaknesses affect your business? if it's a personal weakness. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Along the same line, what are your best opportunities? And I'll go back to uh, the geographics, Katrina. Uh, changes in technology. You know, the digital age has made copying so much better than a lot of the old machines that constantly broke down. You know, having a good knowledge of the bottom line could mean that if there was an opportunity to capitalize on something where you need the capital, then you're prepared for that. 
you can capitalize on the opportunity because you have the strong credit or the strong, you know, finances. You know, knowing your cost of goods sold is a strength which could lead to a lot of opportunities. If you need to make a quick snap judgment, and sometimes an opportunity is something that you do not capitalize on. You know, if all of a sudden somebody comes to you and says, I need 50,000 widgets by tomorrow, and you say, oh, yeah, I'll give you 50% off. And, you know, you think you're going for an opportunity, and you don't know your bottom line. And to make those cost you more than to sell them. A good opportunity might be passing. on a bid or a proposal. So knowing your bottom line is a key strength. A couple more that they talk about what's state of the art, what are you doing to enhance your exposure, you know, what are you doing to make yourself grow. As Stephen Covey says, what are you doing to sharpen the saw? Can you add credentials that may position you better? Good story about that. Had a consultant I worked with out in California. Excellent business consultant. He was so impressive. Right on the spot, very perceptive. And when he gave me his business card, it had his name and it had L-A-N-M-B-I-M-A after his name. And I'm going, wow, this guy's got some cool degrees. I don't know what they are. And he, he was at our company for a couple of days. So... I looked, and I tried to find, you know, I'm, I'm curious, but I don't want to come up to somebody and look stupid, you know. So I looked, and I couldn't find anything. So finally, the next day, I went back, and I said, Lloyd, you know, what are your degrees? And, you know, what, what are the letters after your name mean? And he kind of smiled. He says, letters after name may be important, mine aren't. <laughs> Oh, man, did he get me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes credentials, degrees uh, can make a difference. Certifications are real big in a lot of trades, in a lot of fields. Being trade certified. You know, for example, software people get their uh, MCSE, their Microsoft Certified System Engineer. You know, that opens up so many opportunities. Is there trade certifications that could work for you? It's something to explore. So understanding what the threats are, knowing your industry, knowing the external trends, knowing what's happening in your marketplace, knowing what's happening in your geography, will better let you anticipate what's going to happen. You know, the uh, the price of material, for example. So. Looking at him, possibly, you know, buying material to stock up before it goes out. Now, it's just, just a thought, just, just putting it out there. Could any weakness seriously threaten your business? Knowing the industry could let you anticipate where, where the industry is going. And that might be a time when you possibly change your business line, if that's a thought. You know, retool or uh, realign where you're going. Obviously, if you're going in a direction, if you have a field where technology is going to take business away from you, maybe realign what you do. You know, all businesses are not totally static. You can change based on the market. And knowing what's happening in the market could make you change. I mean, the people that decided, okay, I don't want to go up to digital, I want to stay with all the old analog stuff. You know, it's just, it's too much money to get digital. You know, it's too much hassle to change over all my machines. You know, they stayed in the past. They didn't see it coming. Um, consider your strengths. Consider your weaknesses. Analyze those. Identify the optimal opportunities and target agencies. That's one of the things that's going to come out of this, is knowing, like, for example, we were talking about uh, the Department of the Interior, the parks. If you identify that's where your strength in marketing is, that's a possibility. Prime contractors might be a very key uh, area for you folks to go into. 
There are so many agencies that use uh, reprographics, you know, and copying. And I know GSA has a huge federal center right downtown. Any questions? A SWOT analysis just basically helps you better understand, frankly, who you are, where you are, where you aren't, and where you need to go. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. The final module for today is uh, analyzing your organization. We've already talked a little bit about what we're going to do. We're going to define the unique selling proposition, identify the buyers. We're going to start getting into uh, who the buyers are out there in the field. And is there anybody here that wants to know who they're going to sell to in the federal government? Yeah, that's going to be one of the big ones. Analyzing potential competitors and tracking the federal buying cycles. You know, going back to what Dan said about the federal physical year, getting over September 30th. A little story on that. I had a salesman that worked for me before, and we had a GSA schedule. The federal government, as you may or may not know, has a spend it or lose it type strategy, like Dan was, yeah, Dan was talking about that. And uh, some of the agencies that have money left over get frantic. So if you know that cycle... You know, come July, August, you start talking to your buyers, you know, do you have any money that you want to use in end-of-the-year money? And so my salesman was working with this this one uh, uh, Navy buyer, had about a $75,000 order on the table, putting it together. They had all the deals worked out. They had all the clauses worked out. It was about ready for signature. Buyer called Terry, my salesman. A couple days before the 30th, about 27th or so. I might have some more money. Okay. The 20, call the 28th. I'm going to have some more money. Okay. Call the 29th. It's going to be late tomorrow night, but I will have the money. Okay. Called on the 30th. I mean, this is a federal buyer. You know, these people who have this stigma of being in the ivory towers and not being reachable, he's calling Terry, my salesman, every day. You know, and uh, so he calls on the 30th. Okay, you know, I need you to be in the office tonight. So Terry said, okay. And he's sitting there waiting. 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock. The fax machine rolls. And here comes the delivery order from this Navy buyer. It doubled from seventy-five dollars to $150,000. Because he was willing to stay and wait, and this guy had end-of-the-year money that he needed to spend. Ten o'clock at night, my salesman signed off on the order, sent it back, and, you know, the revenue doubled. 
this buyer was so crazy to get his money spent because he didn't want to lose it. So knowing the federal buying cycle is very powerful, especially once you get on the GSA schedule. All right, unique selling proposition. What do you do better than anybody else? And we talked about that before. Why are you unique? Of course, everybody knows how to catch a unique rabbit, don't you? Unique up on it. <laughs> okay, it's getting late in the afternoon. I've had I've had way too much coffee. You know how to catch a tame rabbit? Tame way. <laughs> okay. Your USP has to be hard-hitting. It's got to get it across. It's got to be concise. It can't just have flowery phrases that don't say anything. It's got to be clear. And it has to have measured benefits. What is the benefit of you? I can save you money. I can provide you quality service. I use references from my clients, inside proposals. Okay, I just make a simple text box in a Word document, and I put a one-line quote from that customer on a flyer. You can put it like on one of the, on one side. You know, just have two or three quotes from your clients. You know, definitely, you don't have to use the entire letter. You can say, um, what's the name of your company, Mick? Moog Architects. Moog Architects. Okay. You can just have a, a one line on there saying, Moog Architects delivered our project ahead of schedule and under budget. Charles J. or, or whatever. You can put it right on the uh, marketing piece. Just use one line in there. Because I agree. You can say anything you want, but backing it up with your past performance, and that goes back to what I talked before, past performance is a key to future results and future business. You know, what is going to provide the customer or the potential customer the best view of who you are? You know, we'll get into marketing a lot more tomorrow afternoon. But what is going to provide the most concise, clear, and hard-hitting statement? You know, do you do something your competitors don't? Be so strong it moves people to action. You know, when you put your unique selling proposition, your value proposition out there, people are going to go, wow, these guys are really cool. I need to call Greg. I need to call, yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than the flowery, yeah, we've been in business for 20 years and we're the greatest and, you know, we, we provide good service and, you know, it just, it doesn't say anything. What are your features and benefits? For those of you that have products, what do you have? Green, pear-shaped. For those of you who have services, is it fast? Is it slow? If slow is a uh, good attribute, you know, you can explain that. Benefits are the advantages received by using the product or service. Talk about the benefits. What are they going to get? Digital copies. They're going to get clearer, clearer, faster, cheaper. You know, quick turnaround. You know, your architectural services. New, innovative, aesthetic. You know, what benefits do you provide? And be specific about your benefits. Are they going to save time? Are they going to save money? That's a big one, saving money. You know, one, one of the keys in this business is to get your first contract. Statistics have shown it takes twenty-five dollars to $40,000. You can take the tools that you have here and go forward and use the steps and the processes and be a lot closer to that 
than going out there and, and trying to do it on your own, especially with the GSA schedules. Those are a challenge. Interesting thing about a USP is when you get a draft done, like a paragraph or two or three or four, then take it and cut it in half. Then put it aside for a couple of days. And then pick it back up and cut it in half. Again. And put it away for a day or two. And come back and cut it in half again. Try to get it down to a sentence or two, which is also the basis of your elevator speech. It's also going to be the basis of the marketing material that you then develop for the different agencies because different federal agencies, you can adapt this to market directly towards them. Obviously, to the Department of the Interior or to the Forest Service, for example, is going to be different than marketing to the Department of the Navy. So each one is going to have a unique spin to it. Might be that you put it on your business card. On my business card, it's got my name, my title. It says Government Contracting Solutions. That's the key to my USP, is Government Contracting Solutions. That's what I provide. I provide solutions to my clients. And they know, they see Government Contracting, instantly they have this persona of how difficult the government contracting field is. And they see the word solutions. That's the base of my USP right there. But your USP is going to set your corporate compass. It's going to identify and concentrate on what you do, your core business. It's going to define a marketing strategy because the more you define who you are, the better you can define which agency you can go after. As you look at the possibilities of where you can go with your company, A key one is, using the same equipment or or processes, can you make other things the government needs or wants? Because as you understand the federal government, things are constantly changing. Sometimes you see a need where you can retool or change a process when you see something out there, when you see an opportunity. You know, the... uh, um, Parts manufacturing is constantly changing, you know, but can you readjust what you do to market to the federal government differently? So, market penetration. We're going to start on it now, and uh, we're going to go through tomorrow. Looking at the market, looking at the marketing. First of all, looking at your products and services. Is it needed by one agency or many? Department of the Interior, um, park rangers, for example, would you have a products or services that would be specifically targeted to them? Or is it something that goes across many agencies? I've got one client that is looking at NASA, and we are focusing specifically on NASA because some of their processes are very key to the documentation process for some of NASA's vehicles. So right there, they have a very specific focus. If you have something that is wide-ranging, I've got one company that's kind of fun. They sell waterproof cases, waterproof cases for your PDA, for your cell phone, for your uh, iPod. Yeah, VHF radios. Right there, you have one product Anybody and everybody can use. So you have to determine how that marketing strategy is going to go. Architectural services, you know, that's across many different agencies, but you have to make sure that you go into the right area. You know, digital copying, I mean, everybody. That's something that everybody can use. Language translation. It's very wide-ranging if you know which part of the agency to look at. You know, obviously there are some agencies that are very, you know, very focused. Department of State, uh, Homeland Security would be huge. Uh, Department of the Interior, because, you know, they have a lot of staff on the southern borders. You know, so knowing which agency. But starting to figure out, 
where you want to go. Understanding your product, coming up with a, uh, the, your uh, selling proposition, then deciding which agency. There are two ways that we're going to talk about, uh, talk about uh, marketing penetration. One of them is geographically, one of them is by agency. You know, looking at, and these are questions you ask before you put the whole plan together. I mean, can you? Can you service the entire country? You know, do you have the staff? Do you have the resources? Do you have the capital? You know, can you service the entire country? If a buyer in Boca Raton, Florida, calls you up and says, I need you, I need your services or your goods, can you do that? These are questions you have to ask yourself. Or should you target right in your specific geographic area? If you go by the agency method, that's where you take one specific agency, NASA, Department of Homeland I mean, everybody's looking at Department of Homeland Security right now because it's been in such flux over the last three or four years. A lot of people work specifically with the Army. There are some prime contractors who, that's what their focus is, is the Army or the Navy. They look at just DOD. DOD is the largest buyer in the federal government. But as you decide what your market sector is, you know, is there one agency that is heavy for your, your products or service? Like I said, Homeland Security. Or do you want to focus in your area, such as for Reaper Graphics, and look at GSA downtown, look at uh, uh, National Renewable Energy Laboratory out west, you know, look at those specific agencies that are right in your area. These are questions that you have to ask as you develop your government contracting plan. And that's what everything is doing today is analyzing you so that tomorrow we can start talking about marketing. When you look at your competitors in the federal government, you have a couple key advantages. Dolores had asked a question earlier about how do you find information about previous bids. Dan hit on it a little bit earlier when he talked about FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. And what the FOIA does, and you hear that all the time in the news, you know, these people got these photos released based on the Freedom of Information Act. But the, the Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, allows you to get information from a federal agency, including bid prices, including copies of contracts. The caveat there is that actual technical documents which are proprietary to a company, such as their business processes, are considered uh, not releasable. So if somebody has a large technical document talking about their processes and how they do stuff, that's probably not going to be releasable. But uh, in the federal government, you can get stuff through FOIA. Also, if there is a bid that's uh, come due and they open up the bids, you can get a bid abstract almost at the same time they open the bids because they'll put the names of the companies, the amounts of the bid, and uh, they will send that out. You can see what the competition has bid. There's one more competitive analysis for when you get on the GSA schedule or when you're working to get on the GSA schedule. I'll give you the websites now. www.gsaelibrary.gsa.gov.
eLibrary is the online search engine for the GSA schedules. The GSA schedules program, you can go on to their electronic library and you can look for your products or services. You can see exactly which competitors are online, on schedule. You can actually go on there and download a list of who is a competitor for the goods and services that you sell. After you pull those down, you can then go to a second website for GSA. Okay, first of all, let me let me ask this. Is there any website out there on the commercial market where you can go and you can download what your competitor sales are? Just total sales. Don't you wish there was? Well, as far as GSA there is, you know, we've talked a lot about GSA, and Dan will talk a lot more about it tomorrow. But he sold a couple of my taglines earlier, so I'll take one of his. Normal solicitation out there if the federal government puts a bid out on the street. It takes an average of 268 days for them to get an award on that. 268. GSA takes 15. Yeah. So, federal buyers want to use the GSA schedules. This is a way, SSQ is a schedule sales query website. You can actually go on there. You can download the overall schedules program, sales by every vendor that's on GSA. You can't download specific orders. That you can't. But they give you information by quarter or by fiscal year. You can go on there and see who your competitors are. Who's doing what? I mean, I've done that for some clients. Downloaded all the sales. Put it into an Excel spreadsheet and done a specific analysis as to who the real competitors are. I wish we could do that in the commercial market. But on GSA, you can. You can actually go on and look at what their sales are. But obviously, in the commercial market, uh, with the people that you compete with right now, you know, as much as possible, learn the uh, competition. What are their strengths and weaknesses? You know, what are they doing? What are they planning to do next? If you have trade organizations, belong to the trade organizations. Understand your marketplace. The more you understand the marketplace, that's a strength for you. What are their spending trends? You can see that in their advertising. You know, just understanding exactly what your competitors are doing as much as possible. Now, that first one we had talked about before with a couple people. Okay? You have a competitor. They're one of the bigger players in the market. They're getting all the business. So that's a, uh, that's a threat to you because you can't do anything. But can you turn that threat into an opportunity? Sure you can. By teaming with them on a specific job for a specific process for a specific part, you know, going to someone saying, you know, we can make that part quicker, faster, cheaper, you know, and that would increase your bottom line, take it off of you. You know, outsourcing. The federal government is doing a lot of outsourcing right now. They're taking processes and they're letting the, uh, letting the private vendors do what used to be done inside. So you can ask yourself, are you stronger as a prime contractor and maybe having your competitor subcontract to you? Or are you stronger as a subcontractor working for them? There again, can you adapt what you do in, a, uh, in, in another situation? Can you adapt your product or service? It's unique right now. It's above the industry standard, as Jim says. Can it then be adapted into another, even to another field? 
You know, how can you make your position even stronger? Now, this is all looking at the uh, at the marketing and positioning. Understanding the market, well, the size of the total market, we know that in the federal government, and it continues to grow at 10% per year. $336 billion in FY07 that they're looking at. You know, that is a lot of zeros. That's, that's even more than the $10,000 a second. The federal market's growing. Now, understanding the trends inside the different agencies. NASA, for example. NASA is very strong on space exploration right now. So the space-based centers are very strong. Johnson, Marshall, uh, Langley. Uh, the other centers, like Ames, which is out there in California, their budget's being cut. If you use an agency targeting method, you can focus in on what is specifically happening inside that agency. Size of the market that buys what you have, size of the market you can serve, going back to the geographic method or the agency, and how big, obviously, how big is your advertising and distribution budget? You know, that could be a key in, in how big that you grow. I think Fred had brought up the, uh, the database, which is a key idea. Because the federal bid cycle normally is every three to five years. The government will come out with a, uh, with a solicitation, they'll make an award, and they will have what's called option years. So a terminology you'll hear quite a few times is base plus option years. And what that means is they will give you a contract for one year. If you do a good job, they will renew the contract for the additional option year, for an additional year. If you still do a good job, they will renew it for another one. So if you know what that cycle is for that bid, if you win it, you know, obviously it's yours. If you don't win it and you have it in your tracking system, in your Excel spreadsheet or your access database, and that's what I had developed, is a uh, access database. I know that that bid for the Air Force Academy, which was bid in 2001, which was a five-year bid, is going to be back up for bid in 2006. So my marketing starts 12 to 18 months before that bid even comes out. Because I've got the information on the bid. I know which agency was going after it. You know which agency it was procured to. I know who the buyer was at the time. Hopefully I've kept in touch with that buyer. And 12 months before, 12 to 18 months before that even comes out, I'm out there talking to that buyer. If you know the cycles, you can anticipate when it's coming out. As you develop the marketing, look at the trends. There is so much going on in the political arena right now. It, it, it's, it, it's definitely a challenge. Um, cultural influences uh, with issues that are going on with Homeland Security right now. The more you can understand about the marketplace, the stronger you'll be. Local, national, world economic trends. Uh, the multinational competitors, there are a lot of buyouts going on right now. There is a lot of... Has anybody heard the term bundling? Okay. Bundling is a positive and a negative for small businesses. It's a negative because these large prime contractors are getting the bigger bids. And they're doing away with the bids that are available for you. Under bundling, they take many small contracts that would have been a prime contract with the federal government, they encompass it into one big contract and one big prime contractor gets that. If you have relationships built with a prime contractor, it makes it very much easier to get your piece of that pie. I had a prime contractor I worked with. I had developed a relationship I had done quality work for him in a previous company. Whenever he went into a new market, 
The first person he called was me before he called anybody else. He allowed me to go with him wherever he went because I had given him value. I had provided him quality service. I had developed that relationship with him. So bundling, a lot of people say, oh, it's it's a disadvantage to the small businesses because it takes that contract away, but it doesn't take the business away. The business is still available through that prime contractor, and you can develop that relationship. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.